people of the internet here we go welcome to a new episode of the light podcast as always all day every day i'm here with my brother big john l john what's good where you at man what's good what's good hey can't call it man i tell you man um it's been a minute since we got on the mics man we had to let that last air percolate a little bit man we hit on some extremely important topics on that last one um i also got a chance to you know go back and you know check on some stats on our soundcloud page and one thing i noticed man those mixtapes that that, that that we made what was it like three four years ago they they heating right, right. up heating up man you must be sharing yeah, them man. you must be sharing them yeah. out on social media or something huh? listen man you know me man i'm always pressing the button they hitting them up they're gobbling them up man gobbling them up so i think nice. it's time nice. i think it's time to make a new one man who, who you think we should we should hit on for the for, for the, like the new mixtape I think the new mixtape should be a retrospective of 2018 because 2018 has so much heat, okay. especially, especially the beginning of the year. I mean, you have Pusha T's Daytona. You had so many things. You had Nipsey's Victory Lap. You had so many things that dropped in 2018. If you recall the um, top, I think I did the top 25 of 20. I yeah. think we did the top 25 of 2018. Yeah. I think that'll be a good list to start from. That top 25 for 2018 for the uh, TLP mixtape series, volume number seven. Got it. Bring it. Bring bring that. Bring that heat. Scotch right. chocolate. Edward Scissorhands. I tell you what. Forget the Billboard top 25. It's gonna be a TLP top 25. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like, throw the list out the door. We gonna we gonna rehash it, reformat it, do it our way. The TLP 2018 mixtape coming to your airwaves give me a week give me a week i'll have it done all right nice nice all right so on to on to more important things <laughs> i got an idea for today's topic john okay let me hear all right this is actually something that that we talk about offline quite a bit and i think it's time that we actually turn it into a topic you know, I can't remember what exactly it is that we were talking about. I'm pretty sure it was something that Dame Dash had done. But, um, you know, I think Dame is, is extremely misunderstood. You know what I mean? Like, I typically don't spend a lot of time in, in, in comments and whatnot. Um, but he had posted something. He was making a movie or something like that last year. And the movie got taken over by another production team. And he wasn't made aware of it. Right, and so the issue was he had put up the money for the for the thing. He, he his house was the set, you know what I mean, and he had done something to somebody, and and it's like they just completely replaced him, and they didn't they didn't they didn't tell him, you know what I mean. So he showed up, and it was embarrassing, you know what I'm saying. And then they released the movie with a new name, new title, and all that. And so he was looking for you know the actors and the actresses to kind of show up and speak on his behalf and nobody did and apparently the guy that took over the that took over the movie was like his protege long story short i'm starting to babble here he called him a culture vulture, a culture vulture and that's like a you know an industry term that you know i'm going to give dame the credit for that he patented that term even though we've heard it before but he made it a thing right so before we get into the topic let's de let's define what a culture vulture is so the hood definition for a culture vulture is somebody that has you know embedded themselves into this thing of ours right and i'm gonna call this you know this 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 hip-hop thing of ours embedded themselves in it 
and is now benefiting off of the culture, even though they don't give two shits about it. You see what I'm saying? They recognize an opportunity. And now when I say they, I, it could be a person, it could be industry, it could be a song, it could be actor, it could be an actress, whatever the case may be. Embedding themselves into, into, into this thing of ours and benefiting off of it, while the individuals that started that thing don't even barely get a mention. Am I, am I on the right track with that hood definition of it? I think you are. I mean, <clears throat> there are a couple other ways to look at it, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to sit here and break them all down, you know, but at the end of the day, man, it basically just means appropriating someone else's shit for your own good. Okay. And okay. I don't and I don't necessarily believe that and people may find this um how can I say controversial uh-huh. but I don't think it's just you know I, I don't think it just happens to hip hop I don't think it just happens to black folks I don't think you know that's the uh, case because if you go back to the origin of the culture vultures the actual origin of the word started in in, in the 1940s oh wow okay I and, did not and, know that mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was actually a term of endearment in the art world. Mm-hmm. Culture vulture back then meant that you were just somebody who sucked up all the art you could possibly suck up. Whether it was music, whether it was you know painting, sculpture, so on and so forth, you were a culture vulture. You were always at the scene. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. And then later on, it kind of took on another meaning um, with respect to when blackface and Stephen Fletching and all that sort of stuff yeah. started started to come about. And now they didn't use the term culture vulture, but the term that they did use, you know, there were a couple different terms that they did use in order to mean the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you put all that together and you know, hip hop is always repurposing something in order to make it something new. All right. Because hip hop, I don't think, you know, the same way hip hop samples music, you know what I mean? They're going to sample some Gladys Knight to make, you know, Jay-Z sample, you know, Annie, I mean, every, so it's not doing anything new. It's taking something. So in a sense, and I know a lot of people, this is what I'm saying, you know, a lot of people, could, <laughs> you know, it's going to be controversial. This is going to be controversial. Hip hop in, in a way is a culture vulture. Mm, interesting. Okay. Because you're taking a form of art and repurposing it for your own good. Now, you can say that the negative side of being a culture vulture, and we're going to get into that, but hip hop is not that. Because hip hop has paid royalties to people that they have, you know, sampled their songs and things of that nature. And especially like from the mid 90s on, it became in vogue to use older songs and to pay them because the whole thing about, you know, how former artists weren't paid as well as today's artists are. So they were like, okay, here's how we're going to make the, you know, take care of that older generation, which paved the way for us to use these samples. We're going to use these samples and we're going to pay them very well for us using those samples. And also and bring now them back that into the mainstream too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because there were a lot of artists who got, you know, a second, a second life, if you will, from the samples of their song. I mean, I'm a big Parliament fan. I'm a huge Parliament fan. Mm-hmm. But when Snoop started sampling a lot of that Funkadelic, Parliament's touring picked up more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, and the same thing 
you know, with 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 like Bootsy. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying because you know Snoop and them were were sampling it so much. So people were going back and saying, "Oh wow, who did that original? Oh, that was Bootsy. Oh, that was Gap Band. Oh, that was this. Oh, so now it's bringing that forward. It's the same way how that new edition movie hit so hard with the younger generation. You know what I'm saying? And 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 in that sense, being that you know appropriating that culture. And repurposing it for your own good isn't a negative. What we're talking about today is repurposing that culture and not giving back to the culture in order to make the culture sustainable. That's the negative side of being a culture vulture. You know what I mean? You can also, you know, the term that I came up with in my head as I was studying for this show is dodo bird. A lot of people don't know that a dodo bird never makes their own nest. A dodo bird will go to another bird's nest and, you know, kill the birds, kick them out, whatever they got to do, and they'll just take over their nest. Interesting. And then sitting there and benefit from the work of others. Exactly. Exactly. Without giving anything back to the people who built that, or in this case, the birds that built that. Interesting. You took the same approach to this that I did. In the sense that, you know, you were looking for some reference material as to, you know, bringing, you know, that that to this show. And and I'm going to do the same thing. And what I realized from listening to you talk about this, you helped me realize that, you know, maybe I didn't dig deep enough, which is fine, which is fine. Because, you know what I mean? I, I still that's a good thing, actually. And you'll see why in a minute. Uh, what I realized just now was that there's multiple levels to this. Right. There's not just one definition of a culture vulture. Feel me? What you said about hip-hop being a culture virtual, I didn't expect that twist to the story. You know what I mean? And I guess listening to you say that, I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? It fits. You know what I'm saying? But there's a whole other dark side to this, and that's where you're going with that, with what you just said. And I'm going to throw a couple of names at you, starting with this big one. And I want to get your, your first response to that name. I love, I love, I love word association. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I got, I, I got to get why I'm bringing them up first and then I turn it over you know I, I'm, I'm gonna start the lawnmower you know what I'm saying by, by got you. Got you. so Vlad we all know who Vlad is right oh god but listen my issue with Vlad look I like we all go to YouTube for information right social media is now our news network feel me um how do I say this you know what I mean and, and keep this relevant so there's a lane for that. There you go. There's a lane for that, right? And, and Vlad, and, you know, and, you know, Vlad feels that lane. Feel me? My problem with Vlad is this: it's twofold. He seems to revel. He seems to revel in the drama, and the nonsense, and then yep. and then pull, and then pull the outliers, pull the the fringe players into into the conversation, toss softballs at them. And sit back and gobble that shit up, man. You see what I'm saying? And then post it on YouTube and present that as hip-hop. That's a big issue for me, man. Like, who the hell gave this fool any type of, you know, relevance, credence, you know what I mean, to, or authority to do that? You know what I'm saying? I put him in the same lane as love and hip-hop. It was nonsense. It's bullshit. 
Man, and I got a couple other people putting that same well, way. Let's, Go ahead. Let's let's keep this door open for Vlad first, because I I want to definitely want to get your I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm shut up and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to you on that. Vlad to me is one of the worst types. I won't say he the he's the worst one because he's not the only one who does that. Yes. You know, he Agreed. is the Agreed. worst type. The, yeah. the the type he is is the worst freaking type. He's Geraldo Rivera trying to open El Capone's vault. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying everybody knows there ain't shit in there. There was something in there the federal government would have had it a long time ago before True. Geraldo came around. True. If Geraldo can find the vault, the feds found the vault. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not that smart. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I don't the type of culture vulture Vlad is, the type of culture dodo he is, is he's just like Charlemagne the God. You know what I mean? And I even hate saying that dude's name because he has the God in it. You know what I mean? Um, but to me, he's just all they do. And if I ever see Charlemagne, I'm going to smack him in his mouth. And that's for how he did, you know, that young lady who was up on his show. And, uh, and I know some people tried to touch him up for that, but, you know, but that's a, that's the comment for another day. But uh, you know, because he didn't have to do her like that. You know, I've been I've been hiding him like for years since he did old girl like that. You know what I'm saying? But you know, long but long story short, man, Vlad is the worst type because, like you just said, all he's doing is is all he's doing is profiting off of the downtrodden side of hip hop. You know, because there's a lot of different sides of hip hop. You know, hip hop is about the culture and about trying to uplift the culture. And if you're not trying to make it sustainable, then all you're trying to do is kill it. And in my opinion, Vlad's trying to kill it to make it more of a lampoon type of situation so he can make more money off of it. Because he's not sitting there asking anybody anything in order to help them improve their life. All he wants to do is talk about all the ratchet nonsense that's out there. And to me, that is the worst type of culture, Dodo, because he is going to just keep bringing up the nonsense. It's kind of like you have a political conversation with somebody and they may be of a different race in the first or no, let me let me back that up. Somebody, you know, an unarmed black kid gets killed by a police officer and the black community responds in disgust. And then the white community, some of them want to say, well, y'all need to stop the black on black crime. And then some people in the black community, oh, we can't get mad. The cops were killing the black folks because we're killing the black folks. Man, shut the hell up. That ain't what we're talking about right now. And two criminals killing one another is far different than somebody who I'm paying my tax dollars to killing somebody. And that's the type of news that he brings. He's only bringing the worst that he could possibly bring. It's like that dude who does TMZ. Oh, he isn't. Yeah. He isn't. It's to me, they're all the same type of culture vultures. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah. all they are are bottom feeders. Mm-hmm. You know, like like back in the day, you know, I used I used to know a lot of attorneys, right? And the worst type of attorney you can you can ever be called is a shyster or an ambulance chaser because all you're doing is looking for the all you're doing is looking for the low-hanging fruit all you're doing is looking for people who you can try to turn a quick buck on and that's vlad he's not looking to help the hip-hop culture in any way shape or form and i wish people would stop going on his show because you need to treat people like that the same way i learned how to deal with terrorism when i was in the marine corps you know you put them in the dark you piss on them and you feed them nothing see my question is this. I, I got a lot. 
I got a lot, so bear with me, John. Like, where and how for where and how are are he getting these guests to agree to show up, right? Because for me, red flag number one, you never see him. You only hear his voice. So to me, that says, I know I'm doing something shady. You know what I'm saying? So all I'm going to do is I'm going to throw these softballs, these tainted softballs at my, at my subject and just point the camera in his face and just let him go. See what I'm saying? When's the last time, you, when have you ever seen an interview of any sort where the interviewer does never show his face? You only hear his voice. Well, he's a coward. That's a coward's coward's high. Yeah, that's coward's number, high. That's number one. And number two, shame on us. And I'm gonna say us. I'm talking about the hip hop, you know, hip hop culture. Shame on us for falling into that, for falling, you know, victim to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real, you're gonna show up on Vlad and you're gonna expose yourself like that. You're gonna add layers to the drama like that. Like, come on, man. Come on, like brand Nubian. Come on, brand Nubian. That's one of the gatekeepers of hip hop. Bar none, brand new be one of the gatekeepers. You got Lord Jamar up there making a fool of himself, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Lord Jamar for real. Like, Jamar, Lord Jamar is one of them. Is one of them. He's one of the gatekeepers of this thing, man. And he got him up there making a complete fool of himself, man. And then he's being retweeted, re-Instagrammed, you know, reposted everywhere, you know, little sound bites, all taken out of context. You know what I mean? And it's like, really? That's that's what hip hop is now. You know what I mean? It's that's what it is, yo. You know what I mean? Vlad's like, Vlad's a, a fat, bald, balding, over the hill, white dude who is you know he has a he he has a face for radio, and that's the reason why. That's another reason why he doesn't want to show his face. And I don't understand. I again, I don't get it why people show up on this show. Either I don't get night. it. I, I don't just, understand. I don't. I mean, and he and at at this point in his career, you kind of you. I don't want to say you have to because you don't have to, but you're kind of expected to if you understand what I mean by that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because because he's such a fixture. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? As as much as none of us like going into Seven Eleven because the way it smells. <laughs> we all go in there every now and then to get some water or some gas. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a necessary evil. You know, it's a necessary evil. And I think, but I think we, I, and when and when I say we, I mean the collective we as the as the culture. We got to sniff these people out from the door and shut them down from the door so they don't even get a platform. Because, and I'm not just trying to talk about the light podcast. We can talk about a lot of different podcasts that are out there that are much better than Vlad. You understand what I mean? That are much better than Vlad. And I honestly believe that, again, it just goes down to that low-hanging fruit theory, whereas you have these, you know, these different managers and things of that nature, and they're, you know, and they, and they as much as we hate a list, they have their list of all the things you got to do to be successful. And on that list of 100 things you got to do to be successful, n- number 98 <laughs> After you've done all this other stuff, number 98 is appear on Vlad. Because, you know, he's a, cause he's an influencer because he has so many people that listen to his show. So you got to go on the show. You got to put up with his bullshit. You know he's going to ask you some dumbass questions to make you want to smack him in the mouth. But you can't do that because there's a couple cats who have wanted to smack him in the mouth. You understand what I'm saying? There's a couple cats who have walked off his show. 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, if they ever showed the behind the scenes of a Vlad interview, I wouldn't be surprised to see that he's sitting behind some bulletproof glass. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to ask yeah. you all these things from the comfort of, you know what I mean? Right. Or, or, or if it's, or if it's a teleconference type thing, mm-hmm. you know, that like he's not even in the room. Yeah. You know, because he, I can't, he has, you know, there's a couple people that he has had up on there who are straight up hood, straight up gangsters. And he has asked some very out of pocket questions too. And I'm surprised he hasn't got touched. But that's my that issue. Kid, yeah, that's and that kid, Charlemagne, when he said that, I think that was to Little Ma, right? Isn't that the yeah. one that jumped up on stage with Jay Z, right? Yeah, Little Mama. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and he he made that girl cry on air. Yeah. For no reason. For no, it, it, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't, it was so unnecessary. And that's why he was hit, his ass was outside getting chased around cars. I got with one better. Bitch ass. Yeah, Beanie Beanie got him. Beanie got him. Yeah, he did. Better than anyone. And I'm I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But when, I want to I want to close the door on one thing that you said about Vlad getting getting these legends up onto his show. My issue is, and what really got me, I wasn't really thinking about it until I think it was an interview with maybe it was Rakim or somebody, man. And the questions that he was asking them, he was setting them up for drama. Like he was putting them in a position, you know how you said good coach always puts his players in a position to win. You know what I'm saying? Right. He puts right. he puts them in positions to lose, but lose big. You know what I'm saying? And so that was my issue with him. But um, you know, going into Charlemagne and Beanie, I don't know, I don't know if you remember this, you know what I mean, the Breakfast Club interview was a couple years ago. But he was, you know, Charlemagne was doing his his little thing, man, and, and, and it's all an act. You know that Charlemagne ain't but like five feet too tall. You know, five feet right, two inches tall. Right. But he was trying to. He was trying to. He was trying to. You know, he was trying to. You know, get under Beanie's skin. I can't remember the exact question he asked him. Beanie was ready. You know, Beanie is battle hardened. You see what I'm saying? No like and he so, shot it out with the cops. Yeah, with his crazy yeah. ass. Beanie, you know what I mean? Cool as a fan. His heart did not raise above resting. Turned right. around, turned, just turned and looked at, at Charlemagne. It was like, me and you come from completely different places, bro. You know what I'm saying? You, you're not ready for this. Like you, you aren't prepared for this. You are ill prepared to have this conversation with me. Like he said it calm, calmly. You know what I'm saying? You, you're not built for this. We come from completely different worlds. You're not even from my world. So. You are in no way prepared to ask that question. And therefore, I'm not going to answer you. So just move on. Like, that was probably the realest comment I think I've ever heard during the interview. Well, I know I'm not qualified to speak on this, but you can understand how some people don't think what you're doing is all the way solid. You might not think that, cause, but and you're not qualified, dog. You're already no personality, man. That you don't fact. come from my world. You don't come from, you wouldn't understand my world. You don't come from my world. You don't know nothing about that, man. Nah, I don't. Yeah, stop running your fucking mouth, man. I don't want to. Stop running your fucking mouth. You shouldn't. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. No doubt. You're talking about somebody who went to war with police. It's dangerous. Attempted murders in the height of my career. It's dangerous. You don't know nothing about that, man. No. You sit up here and your job is to play games. Play with something safe, man. Don't play with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's been a couple people that almost went in his mouth, and I've been sitting there like, please go in his damn mouth. Please go yeah. in his mouth. 
Yeah, who was it else? Somebody else was a Master P. Master P or something was was getting on him because Charlemagne was was talking about one of his uh one of his artists. I think it was Olivia or something like that. Charlemagne was talking about how she got a fat ass and this and that. Master P was like, hold on, man. I don't know. You, you got me fucked up. You know what I mean? Like that's you being disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't be disrespecting that girl like that. I don't care who show this is. I'm not about to sit up here and talk about any female like that. I don't care if it's my artist or not. You know what I'm saying? And you know, a couple people. You're right. A couple people have checked them. Big time, and I love it. Every those are the interviews that I watch from the Breakfast Club. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you know, Envy tries to. You know, he. I understand he's trying to. You know, make his brand hotter and everything. And shout out to Envy for doing his real estate investment because that's big. Do it for the culture. But you know, he needs to put somebody else in that chair. And I'm starting to think that Charlemagne has that position because of his sister Angela Ray. Now, I rocks hard with his sister, Angela Ray. She's a uh, uh, political commentator on CNN. I rock hard with her. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Because she stands on fact, not on conjecture, and she puts people in their place all the time with facts and pertinent on pertinent issues. She's not using her, her stage, her bully pulpit, which is the microphone, to sit there and try to say something negative about somebody just for the sake of say, saying something negative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or or I'm just trying to get under your skin and I'm just trying to embarrass you. Just for the sake of embarrassing you. You know what I mean? See, people like that, in my opinion, it's kind of like our current president just never been punched in the mouth hard enough. Because if you get punched in the mouth hard enough and your chip and your tooth gets chipped, and every time you go to say something, your tooth scratches that damn lip and busts your lip, it makes you think before you speak. And that's what needs to happen to Vlad. Charlemagne and all these other culture vultures that we're going to talk about. You need to taste some blood because you wouldn't be talking reckless to people if you had to taste that blood Mm -hmm. because the people that you're talking reckless to had to go through blood, sweat, and tears in order to get to where they are and all you're trying to do is bring up whatever past or whatever nonsense you can bring up to try to get a rise out of them. And I'm going to tell you like this. You're going to mess up Vlad since we're talking about Vlad you're going to mess up and trigger the wrong one. And you're going to have somebody's hands around your throat to the point where you're going to be questioning who your real God is at that moment. Because you're not going to be praying to God that this dude let you go. You're going to, you're going to be asking that dude, be my God and let me live. Damn, John, tell him how you feel, man. I'm for real, yo. Because it I pisses me are. off. Because, you know, because it pisses me off when people just talk reckless for the sake of talking reckless because they can hide behind some sort of protection. Because once that protection is gone, that reckless talk ends. It ends. And now we see what's what. The issue, the problem is with with this, you know, with the proliferation of, of, of social media and all and everything that goes along with that. It's so easy. The channels that he's got to, to distribute his show, I mean, all he's got to do is post it. It's being propagated by the culture itself. So the culture is literally cannibalizing itself with this nonsense, man. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's and it's and it, that that filter is not being applied. You know what I mean? I think that's why I think you know it's so important that that we that we have this discussion, that we have shows, you know, like ours. I'm gonna I'm gonna pump our show like this. I'm not. This is not a a shameless plug. These conversations no need to happen, man. You know what I mean? Because it is just way too easy to tear down the culture. The, the vehicle, the channels that exist to do that 
are being propagated by ourselves. We are eating ourselves from the inside out. You know what I mean? And no doubt, man. No doubt. Doing it willingly, and it's it's just it's just sickening, it's, man. It's proletarian blackface, which is you know the scholar the scholarly way to look at it. And I'm and I'm quoting you know PhD student in communication of culture and media studies at Howard University, Tyron Myers. You know, uh, along with um, digital culture and, and uh, what's her name, um, Mark Anthony, not her, excuse me, Mark Anthony Neal, a professor of African American studies and founding director of the Center for Arts and Digital Culture and, and uh, Entrepreneurship at Duke uh, University. They both talk about this right now and how back in the day it was called proletarian blackface, but or step and fetching, you know, or linguistic ministries, mm-hmm. minstrelies, excuse me. Um, and, and they talk about this extensively, extensively that how people who are doing this, they don't care. Just like nobody cared back in the day when people were dressing for blackface, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody gave a damn except for black people, right? But the, but the people who were profiting off of it, they didn't care how they were tearing down the black culture by, you know, promoting these 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 totally against what actually what actually is promoting those people as being black folks you know what i'm saying you know mammy and all that other nonsense so now people who never see black people think that's how black people act so when they roll up on them hey mammy all right i'm gonna play another game with you not a game but you know what i'm saying like you know bring up a topic that I think will really ignite you, man. So before before you say anything, let me let me get it all out, all right? I'm gonna talk about the Kardashians here for a second. This family has profited billions, you know, over a billion dollars by inserting themselves into hip hop culture, profiting off of members of the hip hop culture. And, you know, even going so far as to to modify their own bodies, right? To appear as members of this culture and to be accepted by members of this culture. What do you say to that? The Kardashians to me is, they're, I honestly believe that people can only give, people can only wield as much power as other people provide them with. You understand what I'm saying? So the Kardashians became this phenomenon because, and I'm just going to say it, because the African-American culture, unfortunately, in the United States is not well-traveled and well-versed. So you have Arabic women, so now everybody is all freaking, you know what I mean, all over themselves, right? Because they've never seen an Arabic woman. Never, They never, oh man, skin's dark, hair's long, body's like this, okay, oh, oh, damn, she's... She gotta be something mixed. No, nah, man. And I think, are they Hungarian, Arabic? What is, uh, are they? Armenian. Armenian, all right? So you know, they, we haven't, you know, the culture as a whole, and I'm speaking like those, you know, the, that 15% of people in the African-American culture who listens to hip hop that have passports. You understand what I'm saying? Who are world traveled like yourself, Scott. You know what I mean? So you seeing a Kardashian isn't new to you. I want to flip it back. 
you seeing a Kardashian female, you know, or an Armenian female, oh yeah, I've seen them all the time. I was over there for years, you know, traveled there extensively. It ain't nothing new to me. You know what I mean? But somebody who haven't seen that before, oh, it's exotic. Oh, I gotta have it. You know what I mean? So I think that's how they jumped in so quick. You know, and the fact that they were, you know, especially with Kim Car- uh, with with Kim Kardashian, because of her her father and who her father was in Hollywood as an attorney, and he mostly represented African American athletes and entertainers. So now, oh, these are my daughters. So they came up in that whole thing of, you know, this is just, you know, these are just regular people, you know, as far as celebrities and athletes and people in the media, right? They are regular people. But my point is to the wider culture, they're they're bigger than regular people. But to them, so now they're on this platform, you know, because now they got a body and everything and everybody's like, oh my God, the people who haven't seen it before. You know, this chick has, I mean, listen, you know something is afoot. When a chick can get peed on, <laughs> all right, and then everybody's still clamoring to get with her. I still don't understand that. That sex tape with her and Ray J, I still don't understand how Reggie Bush could follow that. But see, my issue is this. They knew exactly what they were doing. It's a plan. Of course they knew they exactly they what they knew, were doing. They knew their audience, and they knew that their audience would fall for it the biggest scam in the history of scams, right? These girls know exactly what they're doing when they post pictures with their asses sticking out, you know what I'm saying? With all the features of African-American women, right? And all these athletes are fawning over them. They knew exactly it would happen this way. Kim knows exactly what's gonna happen when she posts a picture of herself wearing, wearing cornrows. You know what I'm saying? She knows her audience. How and why do we fall for this every single time? Because it seems new, and it's not new. It's just it different. It right, and, and that's my point. It's like, so it, So I was talking to my son as we were riding up to uh, Bryant University in Rhode Island for a uh, baseball tournament about, you know, not falling in the traps. You know what I'm saying? And always seeing what's coming at you, right? And again, I, I to him, explained to him that when I grew up, right, in Pittsburgh, PA, I never really had too much ethnic food other than the, the most ethnic food I had growing up, seriously, and this is, you know, laugh at me later, was Italian food. And I loved it. I loved Italian food, grew up in an Italian town, loved it. But outside of that, all the food I ate was what my mom and my family cooked. You know, so when I go into the Marine Corps and I go all the way out west and I'm in Seattle, Washington, the first time I went to a freaking Mexican restaurant, I'm looking at you know, the, the menu, I had never seen the word fajita before. I pronounced it like fatata or some nonsense, right? Yeah. I didn't know what to order. I didn't know what anything was on the menu, right? So I saw something sizzling coming by, and I was like, give me that. And the lady said, that's steak fajitas. I said, I'll take the steak fajitas. Mm-hmm. Love steak fajitas to this day. That was 1988. But my point was, I had never had that before. So it was like, it was so new, and it was great. Called my mom, mom, you got to have steak fajitas. They're awesome. That's how people looked at the Kardashians, who aren't used to seeing women of different races, who almost look like black women, but aren't actually black. And then all they did was, you know, pump up those features even more, get the bigger lips. Oh man, when people were doing, oh my gosh, when people were doing that stupid Kyrie Jenner lip thing, put your lips in a a 
freaking uh, what was it like a like a bottle or something and 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 pump your lips up to look at I was like are people and people were really doing this nonsense. Well, that's what I'm talking this about. It's the dumbest before. crap in the world. Like the cannibalization of of, of, of of the culture. Like is it like is it really that easy, John? Like it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy to take over an entire culture and then profit over a billion dollars from it. While you we, know what? You know what I'm saying? Like you know like like we're still here. Like we're still here. Now when I say we. I'm talking about the culture. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Toiling and then profiting off of our response. You know what I mean to to them doing that. And you know what my answer and, is. And it's working. You feel me? Like you know what my answer is. It can't be that easy, John. It can't. Be. It is that easy. You, and you want to know why? You want to know why is that easy? Why? Because when you have a culture of people who are always looking for acceptance from other people, they're going to accept other people telling them how their people should look. It's just, I mean, it, it's it's one plus one equals two. Again. You know what I mean? Un, unfortunately, African Americans in the United States, or you know, African Americans, man, unfortunately, are always looking for validation. And, and I'm not saying everybody. I'm saying we're talking about, you know, we're we're painting the brush, you know, we're painting the house with the broad brush. You know what I'm saying? But in this situation, the question is, why do we give up that power as our culture? Okay. And the answer to that question is because we're always looking for validation from outside of ourselves instead of from inside of ourselves. Your self-validation comes from inside of yourself. You can't become gratified with yourself if you're always looking for people outside of you to validate who you are. I don't want to... And that's... Yeah, yeah good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, John. I just, I just had to get this out before, you know, before I forget. I don't want to overdo it on this Kardashian thing, man, but the, out of everything that they've done and everything that they're going to do and all the impact that they've got, I saw some articles, they're just, you know, the most powerful family in, the, you know, in like the world or some nonsense. The thing that I do not understand, I think the thing that kind of irks me the most is... But Kim Kardashian, beautiful girl. Like before all this, you know what I'm saying? Before any of this, before fame, I see pictures of her. You know what I mean? Like, like pre Ray J, beautiful girl, man. Right, 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 right. But her mother, and I'm gonna use this term loosely. Her mother, their family, they're such geniuses. They knew their audience. They knew that they they knew their target. They knew that. Look, all we gotta do, and I'm sure this conversation actually happened. All you gotta do. Is do ABC, pump your lips up, you know what I'm saying, pump your breasts, you know what I mean, stick your booty out, get some enhancements here and there, and we gonna get paid. And it worked flawlessly. The plan, they were already beautiful girls, but they pumped up the features, like what you said, and cashed in big time. And ran all the way to the bank with it, and are still running to the bank. We're probably laughing at the same time. And our, uh, and the culture, our, our culture, this hip hop culture, for whatever reasons, mm -hmm gives them that power to do that. And that's what I just can't accept and I can't believe that it's happening like that. I mean, look at CB4. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to add some levity, you know, yeah, because, I, I you. you know, I'm just trying to add some levity, but, but that's a perfect example. You know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. The same way people become studio gangsters, right? And that's my biggest thing with 50 Cent. He's a studio gangster. They made him in the lab, right? Dre and M told you that. We made him in the lab. He's a studio gangster, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the way, unfortunately, the, some some in the culture. I, I'm sitting here hurting my hurting my brain every time I say everybody because 
you can you cannot anytime you say all oh, you're automatically incorrect right. so i gotta so i gotta backtrack and i apologize to everybody but that's the way some in the culture are moving they only they only move towards the fringe towards the extreme you know i don't understand how i to this day the biggest phenomenon and i know you're going to bring her up but there was one person that came into the hip-hop scene that was the biggest freaking i to this day i still don't know how it happened and that's why i had to come up with that definition with respect to you know self-validation because there's no way that one can keep you don't you don't see nobody you don't see the a you don't see too many other cultures all right fighting with the same thing that the african-american culture fights with with people trying to appropriate it for you know like some people will sit there and you know they'll buy a kimono but they're not going to go and get surgery to, to, you know, make their eyes a little bit tighter. But they'll go ahead and buy the kimono. You understand what I'm saying? But the fact, and the reason being, because nobody will accept them with those surgically, with those surgically corrected or, or you know, more closed eyes. Nobody's going to accept that. They're going to look at them like they're ridiculous. So wait, who's the artist? You said there's only one artist. Who are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm just saying there's one artist in particular oh. who who I just I it it from the time and I'll give it away, it's Iggy Azalea. Oh, the time okay. she gotcha, gotcha. from the time she came on the scene, I never understood what was everyone's fascination with her. Like Macklemore, right? People try to say I don't think Macklemore was trying to uh, be a culture vulture. You know what I mean? But people try to say that he was because he came in that same wave with Iggy Azalea, and I feel bad for Macklemore. Macklemore to me was like the Beastie Boys. That's the way I looked at him. Or I looked at him like 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 third base. Mm-hmm. He was just a white boy who liked to rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He wasn't trying to drop any particularly hard, you know, lyrics. You know what I'm saying? He was just trying to have fun with it because he liked rap growing up. But because he came through on that same way with Iggy Azalea, he got put in that boat as being a culture vulture. Whereas I think Iggy Azalea was trying to be the culture vulture and Macklemore was not. I don't see Eminem as trying to be a culture vulture. He's just a cool-ass white boy who likes to rap. Same same thing with MC Search. Same thing with, you know, all the members of the Beastie Boys. And I can go on because there are several other cats. You know what I mean? But a Vanilla Ice, culture vulture. You see, I, I'm trying to draw a delineation in the so people can understand how I'm breaking this down. So you, you know what I mean? I got you. I think the biggest misconception is it, you don't have to be white to be a culture vulture, right? And I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna, re, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a rehash. I'm a, you know, I know we sound angry on the show. It's just that we're passionate about it. Did you, did you hear what um, Jermaine Dupri said about Cardi last week? Of course. Talking about uh, these female rappers, they all sound like strippers, and then Cardi, yeah, you know, Cardi clapped back. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna go out on the limb. And I'm being sarcastic. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Cardi's up there in that culture vulture, you know, discussion. You know, everybody knows, even she knows that she's not a rapper, but she understands her target. She understands her audience, and she's cashing in. She's playing a character. She's cashing in. Okay, I wanna, I wanna get a real controversial one with you. Okay. <laughs> People are gonna go crazy on this uh, statement right here. I didn't mess with Tupac in the very beginning because I thought he was a culture vulture. 
Because how are you going to? Listen, okay. listen, right. listen. All right. All right. How can you go from being a backup dancer for Digital Underground, singing "Do What You Like," and now you're the hardest thing rocking? All right, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me finish. All right. Okay. All right, now if Tupac would have first, now again, I always say Tupac after he came out of prison, to me, is a dope rapper. Mm-hmm. But Tupac when he first jumped out of Digital Underground, to me, was a comic strip. Okay. Because now. Is, was Tupac a real dude outside the booth? Yes. I'm not saying I'm never going to say that he wasn't. You know, you don't. You, I mean, you don't do the things that he did. And, and but his lyrics, you know, his first couple albums, in my opinion, were just studio gangster. He wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about the lives of other people and making up people to talk about, based off some things that he may have seen, based off some things that he may have heard. You know, because let's just be honest. When Tupac, you know, when he left Baltimore from the School of Performing Arts with Jada Pinkett, he went out to California. He was in a different School of Performing Arts out there. Yeah, him and his mom, you know, they they lived in poverty. He saw some stuff, but he was in a School of Performing Arts out there. That dude came, he was studying to be an actor. And that's why, you know, I think his first couple albums, they lacked the depth that his later albums possessed which made me more of a fan of his later albums versus his first album. Because in his first albums, he was playing a role. He wasn't talking about Tupac. Okay. I, I just wanted my chance. I, I just, I just want, to, want to respond to that. All right. So, Tupac, I'm going to respectfully disagree on some points. And I, I'll clarify which ones. Tupac was a real one. A real one. You know what I'm saying? Um... I understand his role as a roadie with Digital Underground. He was doing what he had to do to get on. You know what I'm saying? And, and Shock, Shock G knew that Tupac was a real one. And he said, listen, you know what I mean? I've got this, this group, Digital Underground, you know what I'm saying? And this is what we do. But I'm going to bring you along, you know what I'm saying? Let you do your thing, but you got you to gotta do something for me too. You know what I mean? You got to participate. Feel me? Um... His first albums, Tupac's first albums, classics, classics. You know, Tupac was something different. You know what I mean? You know, I, I've got my opinions about about Tupac and his and his lyrical abilities. But one thing that I don't disagree on, and one thing that I that one thing that I don't agree, you know, one thing that I will say about Tupac, he was a real one. Start to finish. That was not a character. That was that was the real situation. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know. I don't want to make this a show about Tupac, but that's just how I feel. You know what I mean? So I see where you're coming from with that. So, you know what I mean? so, so let me ask you: How do you feel about Tupac having a picture of him in the thong on stage for Digital Underground? Again, he, he was a roadie. Nah, nah, nah. I feel you. He was a roadie. He had to do what he had to do to get on. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, right. Shock, Shock G knew he had a real one in Tupac. He knew it, but he, you know, he he had his crew. Tupac was trying to, you know, pay his dues. Pay his dues. You know what I mean? I want to rap. All right, you want to rap? You got to dance. Put your thong on. You got to dance. You got to dance. Put your thong on. But Shock G, Shock G knew, knew what he had in Tupac. I got you. I just wanted to push your buttons on that one. I know you did. It worked. <laughs> it worked. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. But, um, all right, so I'm going to stoke the flames a little bit more. All right. I like this show. I like yeah, this. Yeah, I like yeah. this. So... I mean, we could we can go back and we can go into all different kinds of, of multimedia and find you know hip hop elements to it. You know what I mean? I think 
I think we don't have to explain anymore why we're so passionate and um, not angry, but passionate about how, how things are going and, and how, you know, hip hop is not being given enough due, given enough credit for, you know, the success of other, other areas of, of multimedia in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Um, what do you think about Let's go into other other channels here. What do you think about like ESPN and some of these anchors and some of these, you know, following and copying what Stu Scott did? Because Stu Scott was another real one. True that. You know what I'm True saying? True that. And if you look at some of these other commentators that are trying to do that, because nobody was doing that. I, I remember distinctly the first time I heard Stu Scott. I came back from a party. I had a few. And I was sleeping on the couch. And I didn't want to go upstairs and walk past my mother's room in that condition. So I slept on the couch. You know what I'm saying? So that I could wake up and explain why I slept on the couch. I'd rather explain why I slept on the couch than explain why I couldn't find my bedroom door. You know what I'm saying? And so I remember I had it on ESPN and I heard Stu Scott and I was like, back then it was strange to hear somebody talking the way like my uncle talked about sports. You know what I'm saying? And to hear that on TV coming out of ESPN. ESPN was very conservative, very, very reserved back then. Remember that? No doubt, no doubt. And then they hear Stu Scott. He's very refreshing, and I could relate to that. I could, I could hear him. I could understand what he was saying. And it took a while for, for that to catch on. It was a slow burn with Stu Scott, but once it hit, it hit big. And now he's passed on. You know, uh, rest in peace, Stu Scott. But now a lot of the commentators are following that blueprint and are successful because of it. What do you think about that? Well, you know, again, to me. Those sort, those sorts of things come down on a fine line. Are they lampooning or are they paying homage? It's one thing, and to me, I would have to hear this, the specifics that you're speaking of to make a determination if I feel as though they're lampooning or if they're paying homage. You know, everybody likes to try to talk trash about you know Jay Z, you know, borrowing or spitting Biggie's lines. But what they don't know is every time Jay Z spits a Biggie bar, Biggie's estate gets paid. Mm -hmm. So he's not spitting a Biggie bar to rip Biggie off. He's spitting a Biggie bar to give Biggie some money. So, you know, they got to understand that. Uh, secondly, you know, Jay-Z got way more bars than, you know, he ever stole from uh, or spit of Biggie's. Yeah, so, but with that, I agree. you know, mm -hmm. yeah. So with, so with that being said, you know, again, it's, it's all about the context. Mm -hmm. If, you know, I'll let you, I got to throw that back to you. Are they lampooning? Or are they paying homage? And to be honest, you know, yeah, to be honest, they're not lampooning. I think they're paying homage. Because I, I, to this day, ESPN still talks about Stu Scott with complete reverence and respect. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So I, I agree with you there. I think it is a paying homage type of scenario. You know what I mean? I don't think they're lampooning. I don't think they're making fun of Stu. I think what they're doing is they're realizing that, you know what I mean? He was a, an incredible you know, cornerstone of ESPN and they're keeping that legacy going. You know what I'm saying? So, right, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, so paying homage, I don't have a problem with nobody paying homage to anyone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because they always say, you know, to a certain extent, flattery is the ultimate form of, or excuse me, copying somebody is the ultimate form of flattery, right? Right. So, you know, but don't lampoon it. Mm -hmm. And I think when people were doing blackface, I think people like the Kardashians, I think people like Vlad. You know Charlemagne, and, and you know, and I'm sure we're going to get into, you know, the the other folks. Um, they're lampooning. 
I agree with you 100% on that. So I want to I want to circle back and talk about Dame because you know that's kind of Dame. Dame is championing. Dame is no doubt. championing that right now. This whole concept of culture vultures. He's, he's even got a book out called Culture Vulture, and uh, where he goes in into the weeds. He goes into the minutia of 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 what that is. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard for me like to figure out Dame. You know what I mean? Like I, I definitely. Like, I want to understand him, you know what I mean? But it's really hard to kind of dismiss what he's talking about. Because if you go to his IG, you know, Dusk Poppington, if you go to his IG and kind of try to follow what he's doing and what's going on with Dame, it's real hard. It's, it's not that hard to, to kind of just keep scrolling because it's like, I don't really dwell a lot in negativity. And that's, a, you know, I think that's what Dame, that's what Dame is at right now in his life. You know, even though he says otherwise, you know what I mean? But... I understand it. Like I, I get it. I get where he's coming from. Like it seems like the it seems like the game has kind of left him behind. I mean, you look at where Jay Z is now, and where Dame is now. They came in together on this thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and Jay is just Jay is just in the stratosphere right now. You know, Dame can't even come back to New York because of issues that he's dealing with personally. Um, but I think the book is important. You know, this is not a slam Dame thing. The book is important. He goes in and talks about. You know how you know these you know these entities have have come in have 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 come in through this open door and and taken advantage of the culture and left nothing behind they've left no ladder behind you know pulling others out you know and to enjoy the same success that they had you know what i mean so for, for that being said that book is important I'm gonna go oh yeah no yeah definitely you know, definitely you know, you know I think I think Dame is one of those people, man. He's kind of like one of those. I don't want to say he's misunderstood because people understand Dame very well, <laughs> you know, but he's just one of those people, man, that, you know, he talks about all the money that he put out in the street and he's and he got to sue people to get it back. You know, he's always trying to, you know, prevent people from taking advantage of him and so on and so forth. You know, and so this whole culture vulture thing, you know, like you said, you know, with respect to how, you know, he was trying to do his own movie mm -hmm. and they came and snatched it out from under him. Yeah. You know, so everyone wants to talk about how how, you know, angry Dame is all the time. But let's talk about what's triggering him as well. You know, because I know for me, um, if somebody, if people, if I kept finding myself in a situation where people kept taking advantage of me, I'm going to get pissed off and I'm going to start, you know, being a different type of person. You know, and I think that's what we're seeing right now with Dame. I think he made some moves that he thought was going to turn out better for him, of course, than what they did, unfortunately. So now he's trying, so he's real and trying to get back to himself. And in, in that sense, he's like, okay, well, I should be further along anyway, because if you look at what Rockefeller did and all so on and so forth and what but all of our money, because now my eyes are open, the scales are removed from my eyes, so to speak. I'm seeing how everybody was taking our money now. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's, instead of doing what Jay did and just keep trying to level up, level up, level up, I think that's where Dave's mistake was. He tried to stay at one level. Instead of keep trying to move, keep trying to reinvent, keep trying to do things, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, Dave, when you, when you talk about Dave, man, it's hard to talk about Dave without talking about you know, how much money he has lost. Because I think that's what made him go or almost broke. You know, because if you look at even the deal with the uh, S. Dot Carters, right, mm -hmm. that that um, 
who was that that put out the S. Carters? Reebok, right? Reebok, yeah. Yeah, the S. Doc Carters. Dame talks about how they were in deals. They were in, you know, conversations with Nike and a whole bunch of other people. And then all of a sudden, the S. Doc Carters drop. And he's like, how am I over here negotiating deals on a shoe deal? And all of a sudden, there's a shoe deal. You know, there's a video of Dame busting into a room when Jay-Z was still his artist, talking about, you know, because everybody in the room was having a meeting about how they were going to change some things, and it was about a tour. Mm -hmm. And Dame busted in the room talking about how y'all having a meeting about my tour, my artist, without me being here. And it was Def Jam. Yeah. That's when Def, that's when Rockefeller and Def Jam was working together to uh, put on all these different things, you know, the Hard Knock Life tour, all those different things. Mm-hmm. And Dame's like, how are y'all doing this without me? Yeah, that's It's like a five-minute video, and he kirks out. Yeah. There's another you video. Know? Yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's just, it's just such a sleazy business. And mm-hmm. when you and when you get down to it, you know, the, the Lior Cohens of the world, you know what I mean? You get down in, in, into the Steve Stotes of the world. You know, you, you get into the feud that Dame had with – Funk Master Flex, you know, calling calling Funk Master Flex out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because listen, he's fighting for what he believes is the culture. And that's why right? I respect and, him. Exactly. Yeah, and he's trying to respect the culture. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he's saying, look, we all got taken advantage of. You know, just like Jay-Z said, I'm, I'm charging the, the game for what they did to the Cold Crush. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and then to bring it back even something a little bit, you know, more recent, you can go back to 2013, and I want to quote a Pusha T of King Push. Verse 3, vulture to my culture, exploit the struggle, insult you. They name dropping about cane copping, but never been a foot soldier. You understand what I'm saying? So he's talking about it as well, about how everybody is trying to say what they have done, that, and they haven't done it. But that's what the culture feeds off. So I'm just going to say that that's me too. It's like me sitting there talking about, you know, um, you know, I'm a freaking astronaut, yeah. and I've never been, mm-hmm. I've never been to Cape Canaveral, <laughs> but I'm an astronaut because it's be, because it's it's cool right now to be an astronaut. So I'm an astronaut too. Come on, man. So I'm, I want I want to stay with Dane for a second. I think this is this this story here kind of went under the radar, and I remember when it happened, and it was like a blip on the radar when it hit IG. You know, people talked about it for like a day. You know what I mean? And I, and I, I want to get into why it was flipped. It was brushed under the rug. But let's talk about Dame and Lee Daniels. Right? So, Lee oh, Daniels. Man. Yeah, we all know Lee Daniels, you know, writer, producer, whatever, of Empire, you know, and then, you know, and also writer, director for The Butler, which didn't that, right. did that win an Academy Award or not? The Butler. I think so, yes, all yes, right. yes. Great movie. Can't lie, great movie. Right. But there was this video of Dane and Lee Daniels. They were talking like off to the side at some award show. Diana Ross up on stage. You know what I'm saying? About to bring somebody up. Might have been Lee Daniels that she was talking about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I know the video you're talking about. They were yeah. about to bring Lee yeah. Daniels up on stage. Yeah. So what happened was Lee Daniels had borrowed some money from from Dane to uh, to invest in a project. I believe it was the Richard Pryor movie. Lee Daniels was going to be the director. Mike Epps was was going to play Rich. And uh, he came and approached, you know, he, he, he uh, approached Dame for some funds, you know what I mean, to go to the movie. Dame gave him $2 million. Didn't even blink. Here you go, $2 million, cash money. Nothing. The movie got scrapped. Lee D'Angelo went on to make The Butler. 
He went on to do Empire, and I'm sure that he had enough money to pay back Dame is two mil. Not expecting to get confronted at this award show, Dame pounced on the opportunity, and there's video mic'd of them two discussing this issue. And Lee Daniels obviously knew what Dame was talking about. He said, hey, listen, give me a number. Let's talk about this offline. I'll get you your money back. And um, it made the rounds on social media. Now, I'm going to be objective. Lee Daniels was asked about this confrontation a couple months later on some other show, and Lee Daniels admitted, like, look, I was not a good friend. You know what I'm saying? I took advantage of the situation, but I made it right. I gave Dame his money back. But Dame was about to sue this man for $5 million. You know what I mean? And I believe that no that doubt. confrontation, that confrontation was the catalyst to the, whole, to the whole culture vulture book and all this and that. Right. You know what I mean? So I got my own issues with Lee Daniels, though. You know what I mean? Like, I know this seems like we be going after a whole bunch of people. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, some people need to be going after. Some people need to get running. Because yeah. here's the thing. In order for us to make our culture sustainable, we got to get rid of all the garbage. Right. And you so, know what I'm saying? Yeah. In my opinion, that empire is some bullshit. Oh, I did I watched one episode. Yeah, it's a bullshit. I, I seriously watched. <laughs> I watched one episode. Network TV got to give a black show a chance. Watched one episode. Nope. Never watched that love and hip hop nonsense ever, ever, ever. Never watched Power. You know what I mean? Because I don't like what Fifty Cent stands for. Um, I don't support people that I can't get behind what they are as a person. But just, you know what I mean? But just, but just taking advantage of the stereotype, right. perpetuating the stereotype, right? Cartooning, cartooning this thing of ours. This is not a cartoon. This is not. This is not a. Uh, this is not a cartoon. You know what I'm saying? This is this is something that we care about deeply. That empire bullshit is not for us. That empire bullshit is for somebody else. You see what I'm saying? And you're perpetuating stereotypes and you're making it seem like something that is not. And I'm believing at that. 